0: According to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our growth comes through the scriptures. Join me once again in the book of Proverbs. Returning to the book of Proverbs, as we are wrapping up our introduction here, verses 2 through 7, what it is that Proverbs will do to you, or for you. And to you. Alright? And this is the uh, third point of our outline. As Solomon begins by explaining what the book of Proverbs will do and how to get started. You get started with the fear of the Lord. We'll be seeing that. The fear of the Lord that uh, not only starts us off in our study of Proverbs or any book of the Bible, but also sustains us through every book of the Bible, sustains us through every uh, disciplined study of His eternal truth. All right, before we get started today, let's pause for a moment to uh, for silent prayer and ask the Father to sanctify our thinking, to guide us into his truth, shall we pray? Most gracious Heavenly Father, it is once again our blessing to be here today. We thank you for the The provision, Father, for the Word of God to go forth. Thank you for this lampstand. Thank you for your faithful your faithful provision to keep the doors open, the lights on, the bills paid. Father, uh, once again, we're here to present ourselves before you as workmen needing not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. So we ask for your blessing upon your Word, and we thank you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. All right, and all the things of what the Word of God, what Proverbs will do, we have the word to. In uh, verse 2, to know uh, and also to discern. Those are the first two things of what Proverbs will do. To know wisdom and instruction. That is, to know chachmah and musar. To discern the sayings of understanding. To bean the binah. And we're going to come back upon those things. To bean the binah because the understanding that come, It comes back again and again, even in this paragraph. You've got the man of understanding in verse 5. You've got to understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles in verse 6. So this understanding has a number of applications. In fact, the, uh, the musar, the disciplined instruction that we have, Uh, In verse uh, 3, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. We've got a whole curriculum course here. And the study of Proverbs will help you in all those other areas as well. So Proverbs really becomes a foundational book, a marvelous book for child training, a marvelous book to train up your children, your teenagers, your young people, because if they have a handle on this, it trains their mind for every other pursuit of life, even secular pursuits, are going to benefit through the study of Proverbs. And we'll see that today as we look at verse 6. Verse 6 is largely secular. Verse 6 is largely in earthly realms for the Proverbs, the figures, the uh, words of the wise, and their riddles. All right? And uh, we'll deal with that as we reach that particular point. So, so far we have seen a Studying Proverbs equips the reader to know wisdom and disciplined instruction. And, and the, the expansion on this, I think it's fruitful, it's useful for us, if we can expand that little word, too, right? If you just view it as a, as a title and as, a, as an introduction, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know. The Proverbs of Solomon, to know. The reason why the book was written, and the purpose for the book, and the results of the book. So if you want to expand the to know, you can flesh it out by studying Proverbs. Or even bigger than that, studying and absorbing Proverbs. Studying and and embracing Proverbs. Adopting Proverbs. Incorporating Proverbs into your regular thinking. (laughs) It's more than just studying. Studying. So, studying and absorbing Proverbs equips the reader to know wisdom and disciplined instruction. Disciplined instruction. This is the thing. People don't want disciplined instruction anymore. Even I mean, They want it now. They want to know stuff, but they want to know it easily. They just want it told to them. They just want to accept something by rote or something by just received dogma. Say, okay, fine, that's what it is, great but they don't have the discipline to study it through, the discipline to understand the truth of the matter, the, to, to identify the reasons why it is what it is and, and, and how it fits in with the rest of the, the, the inspired scripture. That takes discipline. That takes hard work. It takes effort, and most Christians are just aren't trained for that. They're not, they're not instilled in that. They're not disciples when it comes right down to it. And we're commanded to make disciples. So hopefully the study of Proverbs is going to help us in that regard. Secondly, studying Proverbs equips the reader to discern the discernments, to bean the binah. That's the second part of verse 2, and we'll have more to say on that. But this is where we discern the discernments. This is where we draw the line in the sand, and, and we, we delineate between this and that. And we want to be discerning. And uh, we're discerning about, we draw a line and we say, these are the people we fellowship with, these are the people we don't fellowship with. We draw a line and say, this is the, the, the kind of church I'm going to attend. This is not the kind of church I'm going to attend. Okay? And being able to draw that line is huge. How many Christians aren't equipped to be able to draw those kind of lines? We should draw those lines everywhere in our daily experience. Being able to discern the discernments. Thirdly, point C, studying Proverbs equips the reader to accept the discipline instruction in these four areas, successful living, righteousness, justice, and uprightness, four curriculum areas of life that will make you um, Christ-like, that will make you, um, because this is what he did, all right? Uh, and, And sadly, people look at this, unbelievers look at this, or immature believers look at this, and they say, oh, okay, it's just a moral thing then right? And they confuse what the Word of God is with secular morality and say, well, I can be a moral person. I can be upright. I can be righteous. I can be fair. And and so they substitute a form of godliness while they deny its power, all right? And they think that Proverbs is just simply a book of helpful hints. It's a book of morality. It's a book. It's always kind of like Poor Richard's Almanac, or it's kind of like uh, you know some other earthly thing and and okay if that's good for you great but here this is good for me great and this is good for this other person great and we all can be just moral people that all just get along okay and that f- misses the mark of what uh, successful living is righteousness justice and uprightness all the details there we went through these al- uh, already I won't repeat them all uh, they were sub one two three and four as we worked our way through Moving on to the new material for today, however, point D, the naive, studying Proverbs, studying and absorbing Proverbs, equips the naive youth with prudence, knowledge, and discretion. Studying Proverbs equips the naive youth with prudence, knowledge, and discretion for this we have verse 4, and then verse 4, by the way, gets amplified. Of all of these, from verse 2, and those two items there, verse 3, and the item there, uh, with the four components, uh, verse 4, and the item here, where it's given in tandem, we'll talk about that, but the item that's given in verse 4 is given in tandem, and it's given with an illustration. It's given in tandem, by that I mean we're talking about the naive and we're talking about the youth, and it's the same group being spoken of in both times, right? It's parallelism with the, with the naive and with the youthful. Um, but then it gets expanded with recognition that it doesn't stop. It starts when you're youthful, but you continue living in wisdom your entire life. It goes on to describe how a wise man will hear and increase in learning. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. So you build these patterns when you're young, but you never graduate. You never say, okay, now I know enough, now I'm a wise person, I'm done with it. You recognize, okay, yes, now I'm a wise person, thank God. Now I have wisdom because he blessed me with it in my youth, but I have to constantly live in this wisdom. I have to constantly remind myself of it, nurture it, live in it, gather others around me in order to increase it. It never stops. The day that a believer thinks he has enough doctrine, that believer's on the verge of a terrible fall. All right? And you get arrogant, you get prideful, you think that, well, I know it, I've been there, and, and so forth. Um, the pastor teaches a doctrine, you say, I've heard that 50 times, who needs that again? Kind of a thing. Wait a minute. Maybe we do need it 50 times. Maybe we need it 150 times. And, and if you're humble to receive the word implanted, you'll learn something new every single time. Every single, I know I do every single time. And so uh, hopefully uh, the expansion of that will be a blessing for us to realize that uh, a wise man will first of all hear. Never stop listening. Never stop being a student. You're always a student. And through hearing will increase in learning. None of us have reached the stage of omniscience. (laughs) Right? We don't know everything. And even the doctrine we know best of any doctrine we've ever studied because why do we know it the best of every other doctrine? Because we've studied it more. But even those doctrines, we can keep learning more, keep learning more, keep learning more. Okay, so again, back to the naive, back to the youth here. Studying Proverbs equips the naive youth with prudence, knowledge, and discretion. And this uh, will hopefully be a blessing to us as well. So first of all, what do we mean by naive? What do we mean by simple? Because this is what it comes down to. And it's not wrong to be simple. Everybody is simple as they get started. Everybody is naive in their youth. The question is, how do we overcome the naivete? How do we grow beyond it? And it's more than just knowledge, all right? Naivete. First of all, the term for simple is a a marvelous adjective called pethy. P-E-T-H-I-Y, pethy. And the accent is on the peth, all right? Pethy, not pithy. We talk about proverbs or short pithy statements. Okay, pithy is an English word. Pethy is a Hebrew word, and pethy means um, gullible. Okay, did you believe me? Pethy means gullible. It means simple. It means naive. It means um, innocently uh, accepting anything you're told. All right, and. There's nothing wrong with that when you're youthful. There's nothing wrong with that at a certain stage of your life. I believe humanity is designed that way. And the scripture bears that out. And whether you're talking about your spiritual childhood or your physical childhood, there is a design component to your pethy. That a facet of of the human experience is such as that we are supposed to learn very rapidly in our youth. We're supposed to absorb like a sponge and that we are designed because God crafted a family to be the protective uh, venue for this, that uh, pethy is a good thing. When you are under the custody of loving parents, when you're in the custody of, of uh, family, all right. And, and this is true biologically, in your earthly family, in the ideal design of things. But this is true spiritually, in your church family, in the design of things, in how it is that a child will be pethy, a child will absorb and trust and just start believing everything. Okay? And that is designed. That is designed. And it's in part the simplicity that we will, we will grow out of it to a point But there will be elements of it we will never grow out of because there will be elements, no matter how old we are, it is still described as the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And so there will be a component of our pethy that we will hopefully never lose. Even while there are, there will clearly, there, there we do age. We're not always infants. And so we will grow to a mature man. And First John bears that out as you have the young men and the mature men and the fathers. And you reach a certain point where you are no longer the total pethy, <laughs> okay? But there should still be at least the remnants of it, the remnants of it, where, whereby you have the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Now... Um, it is not the term for innocence, and I, I try to. I used the term innocent a little bit ago, and I am trying to avoid that. I believe there are distinctions between innocence and and pethy. That uh, it is not designed as a as an ignorance. But ignorance can be compounded by this. See, or this can compound the ignorance. That's why, again, we want to apply it properly. We want to see it for what it is, and then we want to rejoice at what God has provided, wisdom, the Word of God, in order to bring us through the time of pethy to the point that we now have the solid foundation, and now we uh, are able to operate as spiritual adults. All right. Uh, there are two Strong's numbers, interestingly enough. I'm not sure why. Um, occasionally that will happen. Uh, 18 uses of 6612, one single use of 6615, and in in in... James Strong's delineation, it, it is a feminine form in the 6615, and, and maybe he just felt it was best to consider it as two different words. I, I think it's best to consider it as one word, and uh, so too it shows up as one word in the, in the BDAG lexicon, so, uh, or the, the Brown-Driver-Briggs lexicon, BDB. Um, any event, in case you do use your Strong's Numbers. I'm starting to wonder if anybody does anymore. And if, if, if I'm told, you do, okay. If I'm told that nobody ever does anymore, then I'll just save myself some time and quit looking those up. But, all right. Uh, mostly in the Proverbs, but there are, and once in uh, Ezekiel, I think, or somewhere. Uh, but there are three uh, Psalm uses and then all the Proverbs uses. And let's take the time to at least give ourselves the sense of what does the Bible talk about the naive, the simple? All right, because the Bible says a lot about the simple, and just reading through these verses will bless us, I think, and give us a pretty good picture for what the simple is all about. Psalm nineteen seven. The law of the Lord. This is a Psalm of David, and uh, you know, no no wonder that David and Solomon had a lot to say about the simple. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Okay, so there's provision for simplicity. We all start off with simplicity, but we want to grow out of that simplicity in the right way. We want to grow into wisdom, into chachma, wisdom, but we want to do so in the right way. And it's going to be done under doctrine. It's going to be done under the Word of God. All right, so the law and the testimony. Two different components related to doctrine, related to the Word of God. And uh, there is a restorative nature to it. And then there is a uh, maturing component, making wise the simple. It goes on to say, "...the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether." This whole paragraph is a wonderful poem, and you can see all of these related terms for doctrine, these related terms for the Word of God, from law to testimony to precepts to commandments, all right to judgments. We'll have more to say on that as well. But all right, so first instance, what do we pick up right away? Um, the simple, okay? They need to, they need wisdom. They need to grow. They don't need to stay simple. Staying simple and a prolonged simplicity is, is a problem. <laughs> okay, At a certain point, if you love your simplicity, that's a problem. We'll see that verse as well. Um, th- there is a-, a blessing to be simple, but there's a command to grow. <laughs> and so failure to, to depart from simplicity is um, too much of a good thing. That is, that is, uh, as I said, it is a blessing to be simple, but that blessing is of a finite limit. And uh, that blessing is designed to give way to a greater blessing, the greater blessings of wisdom. Okay? So don't, uh, don't hold on to the blessings of simplicity longer than what he designed you to hold on to. I say, well, who in the world would do that? You'll be surprised. You'll see the crowd here today. All right, Psalm 116 in verse 6. Psalm 116 in verse 6. This is a Thanksgiving psalm, giving praise for uh, answers to prayer. Traditionally, it's understood to be Davidic, but I don't know that we can prove that. There's no David name in the prescript. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications, because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. The cords of death encompassed me, and the terrors of Sheol came upon me. I found distress and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech you, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. And so, yes, there is a blessing for the simple, and there is a preservative for the simple. God is is gracious, he is protective, he himself will watch over widows and orphans, watches over the simple. The Lord preserves the simple. There's a principle. So uh, as you're praying for your children, as you're praying for your grandchildren, claim this as a promise. All right, and there's different things here. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you, for you have rescued my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I shall walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed when I said I am greatly afflicted. And I said in my alarm, all men are liars. Okay, so a lot we can glean out of this. Not only does the Lord protect the simple, but notice he was in danger. He trusted in the Lord. He called upon the Lord. The Lord rescued him. But in that simplicity comes a vulnerability to liars, comes to a vulnerability to deceivers. In fact, one of the verbs that we'll see in Proverbs for um, um, enticement or seduction, there's a verb that's used to entice or to seduce, like the strange woman and, and all that. That verb is from this. The, the verb is patha, P-A-T-H-A-H, patha. And patha is a verb is a cognate for the noun here of pethy. And you can see the, the link that if you are pethy, then you're vulnerable to patha. You're vulnerable to seduction, to enticement. Okay? And uh, in fact we hit it very early. It's it's early in Proverbs that, uh, that that shows up. We'll see it here momentarily. So um anyway, he's 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 pethy, and yet he's thankful that God has saved him. He's pethy and he has trusted in God. He says all men are liars. All right? Well, you got to be cautious. If you're vulnerable to seduction, you're vulnerable to if you're gullible and uh, you've been you've been, you know, burned a couple of times, you get you get cautious. And uh, but you can't get bitter. You can't think, well, everybody's a liar. You got to trust in the Lord. You got to trust in those you're supposed to trust in. That's the point. All right. More to say on that. Psalm 119. Another psalmist that some folks think is David. I think it's not, but um, anyway. Clearly somebody that was influenced by Davidic truth, as in the case of Psalm 116. If that's not David, it was somebody that learned from David. David. This is in the pay Trophy of Psalm 119. Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul observes them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I appreciate that as well. All right. This is a believer that wants to not only live the word. I, I like the idea of the unfolding of your words. That's pretty vivid. Um, giving understanding to the simple establish my footsteps in your word verse 133 do not let iniquity have dominion over me you want to make the word of god practical in your life you want to live it not just learn it you want to live it and find how it delivers you from the sin temptations all right there's a lot there in that those are the three psalms uses then we get to proverbs proverbs 1 and of course verse 4 is where we are today verse 4 is the description of uh, the pethy First of several. The pethy is throughout Proverbs. And then we're gonna see then the important point we're gonna make under um point three here. The pethy is not a fool. Okay? Proverbs has a lot to say about the pethy, the naive, and Proverbs has a lot to say about the fool. But it keeps them separate because the pethy can very quickly become a fool. Unless we get the pethy grounded in doctrine, we get the pethy under the word of God, we get him established in in in, uh, in truth, and then he'll never become the fool, because he will be he'll be brought up in the ways of wisdom. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that that will be point three when we reach that, that the pethy is not the the fool. Okay, so uh, this is what proverbs will do. Proverbs will give prudence to the naive, and then to say the same thing a second time. Proverbs will give uh, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Alright, we have, a, we have a, a poetic parallelism here in verse 4. It's, in, it's a dice stitch. It's in two halves. And it's saying the same thing twice. The pethy is the naar is the young man. Okay? And the pethy, uh, the naive is the young man, and the prudence that's given, the prudence is described here, is defined by knowledge plus discretion. Knowledge and discretion combine for prudence in the poetry of this verse. So we'll outline that for you as well in an upcoming point. But the idea of, uh, of this I think is huge. I'm going to stress this when we reach that point because I think this is what um, the world perverts when they uh, confuse, um, when, they, when they exalt knowledge to the be-all end-all of, uh, of child training. Okay. Knowledge is uh, is dangerous if it's not combined with prudence. If it's not combined with discretion. If it's not combined with the standards of righteousness from the word of God, you can know things that you're not ready to know, <clears throat> and you can know things for the wrong reasons. And uh, the world would just love for you to know things for the wrong reasons. I'll talk about that in a moment as well. All right. Same chapter though. Glance on down and and even before you get to verses 22 and 32, <clears throat> glance on down because verse 10 has the pathaw I was talking about. It says, my son, if sinners pathaw you, if sinners entice you, do not consent. This is, uh, this is introductory and foundational to the whole book of Proverbs, especially to this childhood portion here in the first nine chapters. This is a mom and a dad pouring out their heart to a child saying, you're, you know, you're going to be out from under our wing and there's other influences out there. And we want your, the parental influences to sustain you because once you get out there, there's enticements. And those enticements, those patha enticements, are going to um, have a, a foothold because of your pethy gullibility, your pethy naivete, your pethy simplicity. There are enticements that are just naturally enticing because of your youthfulness. And it's just, it's just the way it is so be trained to deal with it you know why you know the, the nature of children they see something and it's colorful and it's bright and Ooh, you know they want to touch it they want to grab it they want to see what it is that's just pethy at work <laughs> all right nothing wrong with that it's just it is what it is and and advertisers know that and that's why they decorate their cereal box the way that they do so that the kid reaches out from the shopping cart and wants to grab hold of it because it's it's patha and they are pethy <laughs> it's uh, enticing them, and they are naive. So know it for what it is. Anyway, that's just on the way to verse 22. How long, O pethy ones, will you love being pethy? And this is where we get into the the, the feminine form of it, simple-minded, and Strong's kind of gave it two different numbers there, but I, I kind of think it's really the same. How long, O oh, pethy ones, will you love being pethy? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Okay? And this shows us the progression. And I think this is what happens if you remain pethy too long. And if you actually love your pethiness to the point then that you get promoted from pethy to scoffer. And you get promoted from scoffer to fool. Okay? Okay? And, I, and this is a marvelous progression that happens here. We'll deal with this when we get to verses 20 and following. But notice the ahav. Notice the love here. When you love being pethy. You know, there ought to be a point when you say, okay, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. Uh, the Lord has been protecting me. There are blessings for this. But there's also provision for this and expectations that I need to embrace God's wisdom and stop being pethy. And uh, if you have some younger siblings, that kind of helps matters along. And you realize, okay, they're they're kind of pethy, and I'm not as pethy as they are, and it's kind of a good thing, you know. Maybe uh, we see the process in, uh, played out by older siblings and younger siblings, and aspects of that. Am I talking in the human family? Or am I talking in the spiritual family? Yes. All right. Both are true. Both are true. It's, isn't it remarkable when you can look at your younger sibling and go, wow, did I used to do that? <laughs> All right. And uh, it's, it's just a, a, a blessing from the Lord to observe what he's been doing in you. Down to verse 32, um, the waywardness of the pethy will kill them. There's a danger with the pethy. That's why you need God's protection and you need older siblings. You need parents. The waywardness of the pethy will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. All right. Seven seven, eight, five, nine, four. Let's try to run through these. Seven seven. After all the Drama, or the, the, the doctrine, the exhortations about looking out for the wrong kind of women and looking out for the right kind of women. And some great things here in these early chapters. Then there's uh, an illustration. There's a, a drama that's portrayed here. At the window of my house, I looked out through my lattice, and I saw among the pethy, and I discerned among the youths. Uh, you remember, pethy and youth are parallel in our verse today, as well as in 7-7. But here is a young man lacking sense. All right? A young man lacking sense. And that's a problem. Not only is he naive, everybody is, but at a certain point, though, you've got to grow out of that. You've got to learn from what you're being warned about as a pethy, as a naar, and get some sense. Okay? And if you don't have any sense yourself, embrace the sense of your parents. Embrace the sense of the Word of God. But he's lacking sense. And so passing through the street near her corner he's in the wrong part of town and he did so on purpose. He takes the way to her house. So he's in the wrong part of town and he knows it. He went there for a reason. Now it's one thing to be in the wrong place at the wrong time but if you put yourself there then you've made provision for the flesh with regard to its loss. Okay? So it's not just he's passing through the street near her corner. He's there intentionally. He takes the way to her house. He knows the street. He knows the corner. He knows the house. And notice, in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness, this man went by four different times. (laughs) You know, oh, funny running into you here. You know, what a coincidence. No, it's no coincidence. You went by four different times. God in his grace kept her from meeting you that first time that second time that third time but then finally the fourth time yeah behold a woman comes out to meet him dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart now how do you think he's going to do on the temptation you know is it really a volitional battle at this point is it really a coin toss is it up in the air is it kind of a well? Maybe he's gonna, maybe he's gonna be like Joseph and you know Potiphar's wife, and Joseph's gonna have character and he's gonna resist. He's gonna say no. He actually de- was defeated in this volitional battle, you know, four times ago or three times ago, or before that even. Okay, um, you already have lost the volitional battle. Don't think that when you get to this moment that it's a it's a volitional issue. You're already on negative volition. You're already carnal. You're out of fellowship. You've been out of fellowship. This is not much of a temptation so much as a, a, a you know, shooting fish in a barrel. Okay? So, cunning of heart. Alright, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to chapter 7. How about chapter 8? <clears throat> Does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice? this is the voice you want to listen to. <clears throat> on the top of the heights, beside the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gates and at the opening of the city, at the entrance of the doors, she cries out, to you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. So here's another voice calling, okay? And, and you know, this is biblical truth, but so how much mythology is built on, on, on the, the siren voice, right? And, and the, the men that fall for the, the feminine voice and whatnot. Well, let's listen to this feminine voice. Let's listen to this siren call. Let's listen to wisdom and her uh, calling out in the streets. To you, O man, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O naive ones, O petty, understand prudence. And O fools, understand wisdom. For I will listen, for I will speak noble things, and the revealing, opening of my lips will reveal right things." Anyway, this is the uh this is the positive example of who to listen to. All right. Yeah, there's more of that. We'll get in. I love chapter eight. We could spend probably a whole year in chapter eight. Chapter nine. Look at those verses. Verse 4, 6, 13, 16. Quite a bit in chapter 9. Wisdom has built her house, she has hewed out her seven pillars, she has prepared her food, she has mixed her wine, she has also set her table, she has sent out her maidens. She calls from the tops to the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, whoever is pethy, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Come, eat of my food and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live, and proceed in the way of understanding. All right, so there is provision for the pethy. God makes provision for the pethy, and it comes through the word of God. Um. Let's see, verse Four verse six, verse thirteen, and verse sixteen, I'm trying to see I don't I guess I don't want to read all those verses in between there, but now uh, look at verse thirteen. There's another woman. the woman of folly is boisterous, she is naive and knows nothing. She has her own form of naivete, it's a feminine form of it, and knows nothing. She sits in the doorway of her house on a seat by the high places of the city. She also calls to those who pass by. So there's two voices calling out, the voice of wisdom and the voice of folly. Calling out to those who pass by who are making their path straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, Notice the message is almost identical to the, or or it is identical to wisdom's message. Why is that? Why would she have a similar message to the, the message of wisdom? Yeah, all the better to deceive you with, right? Mix uh, mix your lies with some truth. Mix your lies with things that sound like truth. And she says, stolen water is sweet. Uh-oh. And bread eaten secret is pleasant. Uh-oh. He does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. All right? That's... uh. you don't want to go there all right like i say these nine chapters these these early chapters chapters one through nine these are parents pouring out their heart to their children and you know david and saw and bathsheba that was probably the worst way you could ever start a marriage all right and yet they're pouring out their heart to their children in terms of the damage that promiscuity will do that sexual immorality will do and all the destruction of of what happens with uh, with fornication all right, so there's the first nine chapters. Comes back again in chapter 14 and 19. Let's look at these real quickly. 14 verses 15 and 18. Hmm. The naive believes everything, <laughs> but the sensible man considers his steps. All right, take the time to think about it. Okay, don't just believe it. Boy, this uh, you got to be careful. You know, I realized we, were, we started homeschooling all those years ago. Bobby was Bob. Called him Bobby then. He was just, you know, and he would believe anything. You know, you tell him the first president of the United States was a Polander. Really? No, I'm teasing. Okay. So, um, but, but that's the thing. They will believe anything. If you tell them whatever. So, um, anyway, use that. Use that to pound as much truth in there as you possibly can while they're still believing everything. Pound it into them. They're like sponges. But at a certain point, you just got to stop falling for stuff. And, you know, you can kind of, like my mother and my sister, were were prime April Fool's Day targets. Um, I'm just saying, it it was almost too easy. It was almost like not even fun anymore because you could you could just convince them of anything and that's that's for another day all right so that's proverbs 14 and we have it in verse 15 we have it in verse 18 the naive inherit foolishness but the, sen- the sensible are crowned with knowledge okay if you stay long enough if you stay naive long enough to reach inheritance status uh you've been naive far too long um that is, uh, naivete is for your youth, and you should grow out of that long before you reach your inheritance. The sensible are crowned with knowledge. <clears throat> Proverbs uh, 19, verse 25. 19, 25. Hmm. There's several of these folks. Uh, This is a good chapter because it describes all kinds of people. You've got the man of anger in here. You've got, um, yeah, it's a marvelous chapter with all kinds of different people. But uh, the fear of the Lord. Many plans are in a man's heart in verse 21. Boy, how many of these are Bible verses, memory verses from forever? Almost the whole chapter, I think. Many plans are um, in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. I love that. What is desirable in a man is his kindness. It is better to be a poor man than a liar. The fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish, <laughs> while not even bring it back to his mouth. I mean, how lazy are you that you get your hand in the dish and then that's just too much work to try to try to get it up there. Strike a scoffer, and the naive may become shrewd. See, there's a benefit to that, you know. Um, The younger siblings learn. They see the older siblings getting disciplined, and ooh, I don't want that. But reprove one who has understanding, and he will gain knowledge. He who assaults his father drives his mother away. Oh my goodness, there's so much here. Cease listening, my son, to discipline, and he will stray from the words of knowledge. As soon as you lose your appetite for disciplined instruction, that's the beginning of the end. All right. A rescally witness makes a mockery of justice. Okay. Well, anyway, that'll be a fun chapter when we get that far. If the Lord lets us get that far. I keep thinking the trumpets any day now. Uh, 21.11. Proverbs 21.11. When a scoffer is punished, the naive becomes wise. But when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. Good parallel there. 22.3 The uh, prudent sees the evil and hides himself, but the naive go on and are punished for it. What a contrast. Remember prudence is the provision for the naive. The naive are given prudence in our verse today in in 1.4. So the prudent sees the evil and hides himself, but the naive go on and are punished for it. And then finally 27.12, the last use of pethi in the Proverbs, 27.12. Very similar to what we just saw. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. The naive proceed and pay the penalty. Pay the penalty. That's almost word for word except for punished for it versus pay the penalty okay so pethy simple proverbs has a lot to say about the pethy the pethy is not the fool but we're all pethy as we get started we can be thankful for our pethy and uh, we ought to be uh, protective of our pethy we ought to be the older siblings for our pethy we ought to be bringing up the the pethy and the nurture and the admonition of the lord all right secondly though information alone is not the solution information alone is is not the solution to naivete, to pethy. The world will tell you it. The world will tell you that information is everything, that we just need enough information, need enough education, that knowledge is sufficient. Okay. And uh, they fail to recognize that information alone is not the solution. Knowledge puffs up. Love edifies. All right. Knowledge alone is insufficient for the pethy. He needs to have knowledge combined with discretion so that he becomes prudent. Not only in what he knows, but how he knows it. Do you think it makes a difference in how you know something? Sure it makes a difference in how you know something. Because there's a way to know something that carries with it an awful lot of damage in the process. And sure you know it, but you've paid a price in the meantime in order to know it, and there was a better way to know it. A way with discretion and a way with prudence. All right. And so this this slide actually is a uh, sentence diagram, <laughs> in a way, to outline verse 4. The naive requires prudence. And then the youth, parallel to the naive, need knowledge and discretion. And so we put these two clauses in parallel, and we recognize that naive equals youth, and prudence equals knowledge plus Discretion. Knowledge plus discretion. And weeks and weeks ago whenever it was when we gave you the Proverbs introductory material, the eighth and final point of that introduction dealt with the specific terms for wisdom and understanding. And these were two of those terms. In fact three of those terms. We talked about the wisdom terminology of Chachmah. We talked about the instruction terminology of Yasser and Musar, uh, which is the disciplined instruction. We talked about the prudence testimony of Lorma or Larum. The uh, knowledge terminology of Yadat or Da'ath. And this is the thing, that if it sits by itself, we're in trouble. Knowledge by itself is, is Trouble. uh, Again, Corinthians, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Knowledge by itself, without understanding, without wisdom, without discernment. Knowledge is, uh, I say, how can knowledge be a bad thing? It can always be a bad thing. If you acquired it the wrong way, if you use it in the wrong way, if you use it for the wrong reasons, you can use knowledge to um, accomplish some horrible, horrible things. Manipulating other people, um, achieving things in the wrong way. <clears throat> that's why knowledge has to come with discernment, why knowledge has to come with, uh, and, and knowledge and, and discernment together is going to provide prudence. The biggest thing, uh I give you the discretion terminology yet? Uh, and the knowledge terminology is and, and the uh, discretion terminology. We looked at these, uh, this was the Mazima vocabulary. Eight times in Proverbs, Mazima, M-E-Z-I-M-M-A-H, this discretion. Sometimes the best thing you can do with knowledge is not use it. Okay? Particular information. And you have the information, but it's, uh, it's better not to make use of that information other than to give it to the Lord and pray about it. <laughs> All right? This is where uh, love covers a multitude of sins. This is where you may know something, but in grace, you leave that with the Lord and you don't make it a, a wedge. You don't make it a dividing issue. You don't throw it in somebody's face. All right? Discretion. And um, anyway, if you, if you were here for that, it might be worth reviewing that. Or uh, if you were not here for that, it would definitely be worth going back and get it for the first time. The Mazima ter- terminology, point E. Subpoint E under main point eight there in the introduction as we went through it, okay, um, <clears throat> and this is the thing I think again the world stresses education the world stresses information they say as if information is the be all end all to everything uh, as if education is the be all end all to everything uh, it's remarkable some of the the, the secular approaches to sex education to health things they're teaching our kids in the public schools and they say well we just want to give you all the information well wait a minute you want to give them the information but you want to color it with what worldview you want to color it with a worldview that that uh that is just simply a matter of evolutionary biology or do you uh, or do you want to color it with a worldview that this is a blessing from the lord designed by him that's an entirely different animal all right. Do you want to teach information based on mechanics of a process? What's that? You know. Uh, how about the purpose and the goals and the and the the reality of things? But again, that takes a worldview. And if you are going to do it from a, a, bio, a biological evolutionary worldview, then you end up with all kinds of evil mixed into mechanics of things. So anyway, um, I think the. Uh, the recognition of the, the best thing we ever found when we were given the facts of life speech, and I think Ethel, you told us about the the Margaret Clarkson book, is that right? The Susie's Babies is that the one? Yeah, okay, excellent book. Susie's Babies, written back in the fifties or something, yeah, about a hamster. That's right, and um, and you know you, the, the school teacher has hamsters, a hamster in her class, and the hamster's pregnant, and and it's an opportunity to teach the school kids about about. Uh, pregnancy and babies but she does it from a biblical viewpoint and talks about uh the lord's design and why people are not animals and why why uh, god designed daddies and mommies and the, the function of families and and the protective place in the home whereby in in marriage that that sex activity takes place so anyway i recommend it. i think i loaned it to somebody we can't find it anymore but um it, we think it's in our house somewhere but we've used it four times and uh, anyway I do recommend it and, and Margaret Clarkson by the way has two hymns in our, in our, in our hymnal <laughs> so uh, it's an interesting story there too well is information enough? Information's not enough uh, yes we need information but in the information we need to have the standards, the norms and standards the perspective of God's sovereignty, the fear of the Lord whereby we have the information he provides with the um with the standards by which that information is to be used okay and it's not just sex it's anything in life Uh, to to know anything uh, of of how stuff works or what stuff is but to have god's standards for for how to make use of what you know knowledge plus discretion gives you prudence and that uh, is going to be a big factor here all right in proverbs the naive is not the fool the naive is not the fool, but can quickly become the fool if they don't embrace the Lord's protection for their simplicity. And I thought we saw that in several places throughout the Proverbs as we looked at them. Uh, I thought it was spelled out pretty well there in Psalm 116, verse 6. We were there earlier. The naive is not the fool. The, 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 the uh, nephi, or, or the pethy rather, is not n- Nabal. Okay, Nabal, remember Nabal and Abigail. Nabal is not Nabal is the fool. Pethy is not a fool. He's not ignorant. Well, he is ignorant. He's not stupid. He's just young. He's at the Pethy stage of youthfulness and gullibility designed by God in that capacity. So during this season, um, let's uh, make sure that we provide the discernment, the discretion, the prudence with that knowledge, so that he can graduate from pethy to faithful, to faithful young man, to a man of wisdom, woman of wisdom. Okay. I I hope you can adapt everything I'm saying to the feminine gender. <laughs> okay. I know I do a lot of him and young man, and that's what Proverbs does, alright? It's the young man through all of this who's, you know, walking by the harlot's house. It goes the other direction as well. Okay the young girl that's naive, the young girl that swallows everything, that's told, oh, you're so beautiful, oh, I love you, oh, blah, 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 and then she just falls for it, hook, line, and sinker. All right? It applies both directions. Point E. Studying Proverbs never ends. It may start in one's youth, but the blessings of Proverbs sustain believers of all ages. Studying Proverbs never ends. It may start in one's youth, but the blessings of Proverbs sustains believers of all ages. And, and this is really the impact here of verse 5. A wise man will hear. So it's not just the nephew that hears and becomes a wise man. The, the, uh, the pethy hears, he becomes a wise man, and then he keeps on hearing. The wise man keeps on hearing. And he increases in learning you have to build upon what you've already learned, and then you build upon what you've already learned, and you build upon that. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. He realizes that he's not the only one in this process. And as much as he has learned, as much as he has compiled, as much as he has accumulated, he's still just one guy. And there's others that have learned, and there's others that have built, and there's others that have acquired, and they have reached where they have reached on an entirely different course than what he has reached his his standing as. So sure, he is a wise man, but he's not the only wise man around. And so he's going to accumulate other wise men. And he's going to wise women, all right? And, and it's good to associate with others that of, of that status and stature so that you can glean from their wisdom. And iron sharpens iron. And, and uh, men of wisdom can sharpen other men of wisdom. Women of wisdom can, can sharpen other women of wisdom. So it does not stop. It never ends. St- studying, we're going to get through F and G. We're going to get through this today. That's good. Studying Proverbs equips the reader to discern what I'm calling the mysteries of life. The mysteries of life. The puzzles. Studying Proverbs equips the reader to discern the mysteries of life. We have proverbs, figures, and riddles here in verse uh, 6. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. Now we've already had some of these terms, not all of them. A couple of them are pretty unique. We've had some of the earlier terms earlier in the chapter. So this is this redundant or is this saying something else? I believe it's saying something else. I believe that it's wrapping up everything that started with a spiritual component and then also saying at the, at the very end, saying, oh, and by the way, there is secular benefit to this as well. Secular benefit as well. So we have uh, the discerning the sayings of the understanding already and then everything in the spiritual realm here with uh, successful living and righteousness, justice, equity, all the things here in the spiritual walk but then beyond that, young men and young women that are grounded in wisdom, that enter into the workplace, <laughs> they enter into public life, they enter into they 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 become adult citizens of their of their community. They're going to benefit. They're going to benefit. And so we have uh, proverbs, figures, and riddles. This is maybe the thorniest of all the verses, and, and I didn't put the vocabulary into this outline, but um, I'm convinced that we're talking about temporal life, secular life issues, the uh, mysteries of life, figures and riddles, pondering different things. And there's things that Scripture says that, you know, how do you understand the, the way of a man with a maid? <laughs> you know, how do you understand there's, there's things in life that are so wondrous to ponder and uh, different aspects like that mysteries of life anyway when uh, when you're sitting around the water cooler and people are trying to explain things you know why is there air <laughs> or they have they want to philosophize they want to talk about philosophy they want to talk about the conundrums of life well a believer with wisdom will not only be able to engage in those discussions, but will do so from a divine viewpoint, from the standard of God's Word. will be able to reflect the absolute eternal standards of truth in the midst of all those supposedly unanswerable questions. You know, they're going to want to ponder, why are we here? I can tell you why we're here. All right? All these other things for which the world has no answer. And I think we're almost done here, but I think... Uh, okay one more side well i want to give you g also but i don't think i can do g in 2 minutes the um let's look at that's okay we can uh, save g for next week when you look at solomon's wisdom in first in first kings 4 not all of this was spiritual and I, and i start to wonder sometimes when uh, when when kings were coming when queen of sheba came when all the people were showing up to see how wise solomon was were they interested in his spiritual insights? Or they wanted to learn his economics? They wanted to learn his, uh, his uh, politics. They wanted to learn his governance. 1 Kings 4 and verse 29. And um, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind. All right? And so there's a complete package for Solomon here that's not just biblical wisdom, but there's also very great discernment. I think that connects spiritual wisdom with, with uh, secular applications. But then breadth of mind. This is a term for, for a simple intellectual, um, intellectual uh, heft or, or weight. Like the sand, like the sand that is on the seashore, and Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the East. What kind of wisdom was that? Was that spiritual or earthly? Those sons of the east were they were they mature in doctrine from the revelation of Yahweh Elohim? the Hebrew scriptures, I don't think so, and all the wisdom of Egypt was that a wisdom of Egypt that was grounded in the revelation of the Hebrew text? I don't think so. wiser than the men uh, than Ethan and Heman, Kalco, Darda, these guys. He's being compared to secular wisdom, and he outshines them all because divine wisdom will have benefits in the secular realm. He also spoke 3,000 Proverbs. Most of them aren't even in the book of Proverbs. His songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees. See, he was involved in the physical sciences, the natural sciences cedar that's in Lebanon, even of the hyssop that grows in the wall. He spoke also of animals. So he was uh, expert in things of agriculture and animal husbandry, um, birds and creeping things and fish. And men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon from the kings of the earth who heard of his wisdom. Were they coming for Bible instruction or they were coming for secular scientific pursuits? Or both, perhaps. We do know that the Queen of Sheba praised him for his spiritual wisdom and praised him for his righteousness and his justice that at least is certain all right well the fear of the lord is the beginning we'll talk about this next week start there and never leave it the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom start there and never leave it so uh you'll see that slide again next week and we'll uh spell it out and then we get to move on we will have wrapped up the introduction we'll move on to the verses that follow with oh my son Oh, my son. All right. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the blessings of Proverbs. And uh, for um, as much as I miss the, uh, the Life of Christ series, Father, and how powerful that was for 10 years, um, I'm very thankful, Father, you brought us to Proverbs and you brought us to where, uh, where we're going to be, uh, hopefully, till the trumpet sounds, Father. But um, day by day, moment by moment, open our eyes to this wisdom. We thank you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.